ultimately, the sooner you figure out what you can do that can move things forward and what you can push off to the side or delegate or defer or whatever, the better you're going to be. Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Michael. Michael, thank you so much for being here with us today. Great to be with you, Michelle. Awesome. So tell everybody who you are and uh, what your business is, short and sweet, and what you'd love to do. I am Michael D. Levitt, and I am the founder and chief burnout officer. That title came to me in the shower, by the way, uh, of the Breakfast Leadership Network. I work with organizations and speak around the globe on burnout prevention, the great resignation, quiet quitting, whatever the flavor of the month is uh, when it comes to employment and stress. Uh, I'm, I'm usually talking to somebody about it. Awesome. So other than being in the shower and probably um, being nice and relaxed, <laughs> how did you come up with burnout as a as a topic for people? For me, it was from my own personal journey with burnout back in 2007. I was hired as a healthcare executive just outside of Windsor, Ontario, and I had no healthcare experience, but I had a lot of startup experience and I was working like many entrepreneurs and new business owners, you know, from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m., seven days a week, even though I was not the owner of the organization, I was an employee, but I treated it as it was my own company. And that came to a crashing halt in May of 2009, where basically then the next 369 days, so just over a year, the following happened to me. I had a heart attack that should have killed me. 17 weeks later, I lost my job during the Great Recession. Several months later, uh, after being on unemployment or EI and, and not being able to pay a lot of my bills, the bank said, hey, you know that car you haven't been paying on? Yeah, we want that back. So um, the car was repossessed. And then finally, uh, just uh, about a month and a half later, uh, my home was foreclosed. So all of those things happened to me because I was burned out. I wasn't taking care of myself, making mistakes at work, just a big stress case. And after having all of those gigantic losses, which each on their own are huge, you know, if someone right. has any of those, they're big. I, I decided, you know what, let's, let's just go crazy and have them all. <laughs> and so I, you know, I just thought, why not, you know, let's get them all done. You know, yeah, I want, I want to, I, I want to yell bingo a lot faster. Let's go. Yeah. And so, you know, I did, I don't know if there's a, maybe there should be a burnout bingo sheet. Maybe I'll create one. That's <laughs> uh, something I think about that. But anyway, I got through it all and was still alive and thinking, okay, there's a reason for that. So I had a choice. One, I could just continue down the path that I was living, which nearly killed me, or I could do something different. And I chose different. And after reinventing myself, and I always want to warn people, if you're burned out, majority of you don't have to reinvent your life. In my situation, I did. It was just a mess. But for most people, they just have to make a couple adjustments here and there, and it'll make a big, big difference. But after doing that work, I realized as I started looking around, you get a little bit more clarity when you're not burned out, you can actually see things. I noticed, wow, there's a lot of people that are burning out. And this was 2014, 2015, before the pandemic and everything else that's gone on. And I thought, ooh, this isn't good. So I started warning people, it's like, you don't want to mess with this. You know, this could really be costly if you don't watch it. 
And they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to work through it, which is the typical response. So what I ended up doing is like, let me start writing about it. Let me start researching. And then I went down that rabbit hole and said hi to Alice and the Mad Hatter and realized, okay, this is a huge problem and I have experience with it. So why don't I start writing more about it? Let's start talking about it. And one thing led to another, wrote books, launched podcasts, launched consulting business. And here I am today doing this work full time. And uh, it's, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm thrilled I get to do it, but I'm saddened that I have to. Right. That is, I, I my heart goes out to that younger you that had to deal with all that stuff because that is brutal. You're right. Any one of those things is fantastical and amazing, but to get hit by like four and five of them, that is wild. Um, so just to kind of get the, um, if anybody's going through this right now, I want them to understand that somebody else has gone through this and that you can live through it. Because I have seen a lot of people that not only get burnout, but then all of a sudden they get a couple of deaths in the family, which is like like just a left right punch and, and they feel like they're out. In that moment, what did it feel like and how did you go, hey, I can I can come back from this? I think it was a blessing, and I, and, I'm, and I should say I know it was a blessing, to have the heart attack first. And I think the reason was because I survived that, you know, significant health event for sure, and I had 17 weeks before I was let go from my role to recover and a lot of time to reflect. I was off of work, so a lot of time to get used to the medications that were $1,000 a month without drug insurance coverage. That was fun. Uh, and so when, whenever I hear anybody saying, yeah, medication, I'm like, ooh, I hopefully you got some drug insurance because I know it's expensive without. But by having that happen first, when the job situation happened, while yes, devastating and understanding the circumstances that we were in, being in an area that was heavy auto sector. And of course the government had to bail out the auto sector during that time because they were filing bankruptcy and, you know, we were big, big trouble in Detroit, Windsor and, and other parts of the country. So I knew, okay, this is going to take a little bit longer to find something uh, than I would normally want it to. And it did, it took a long time for me to find a new role. But after each of one of those things, I, I, I basically just got up, dusted myself off and went, all right, I've survived that. Okay. What do I need to do in order to make the situation better? What can I do every day? And that's what I did, you know, from the heart attacks, like, what am I going to do every day to feel better, live healthier, make some better choices on what I eat, how I process information, stress and all of that. And I think that helped a lot for me to prepare for the other ones, not saying that they were not big deals. You know, all of those things, as I said before, are devastating mm -hmm. losing your job is hard because and i say this a lot in my talks in my personal opinion of all the stressors out there i think financial stress is the worst and the reason is even though we hate paying bills i don't think i've ever met anybody who says oh i love paying bills unless they work in accounts payable and that's you know their <laughs> job um but most people that's not on the top of their list of you know things that i love and enjoy in life is paying bills so we don't love paying our bills, but we do enjoy the fact that we have the capability to do so. And Absolutely. when you don't have that, 
that is really stressful because you it's a it's a pride hit for one mm-hmm. you're, you're fearful for those emails or phone calls you know from the collectors saying hey we want our money mm-hmm. it, it's justified it's legitimate you feel horrible and every time you get one of those calls it's one of those reminders you know boom you know, you know oh so those were you know always very stressful periods when i was dealing with all of that but every time i went through something i'm like okay all right, I've lost my job. I'll go find another one. Okay, we lost the vehicle. Thankfully, we had another vehicle that was paid off. Um, the home, we had found a place to live. So we were able to recover, but it's still not fun to go through those things. But for anybody that's going through a stressful situation is find the things that energize you, things that you can be thankful for, even in the midst of something really negative going on in your world. Focus on those things that are good. You know, how far you've come and whatever you're doing, your, your dog, your cat, your kids, your family, friends, your, your favorite sporting events on, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, find those things in life that you find enjoying and bring you joy and fulfillment in life. And when you're even going through a real difficult time, gravitate to those things, be thankful for the things that you do have, because there's still a lot of people, unfortunately, that are in a lot worse position than any of us are. And yeah, not to compare, because I think that gets us in a lot of trouble. I think just focusing on what you do have and being thankful for that can help you persevere and get through these challenging times. Nice. I love that. And I know that for me, podcasts helped immensely to get through the whole COVID thing because the whole idea of, you know, spending three years uh, not being able to talk to anybody as the extrovert that I am, <laughs> I totally would have snapped and gone insane. I love the podcast and being able to talk to people internationally and just just being able to make those connections. So yeah, it's truly like anything. So give us some of the kind of um, the pillars or the platforms of what do you take people through in order to one, identify, you know, how do you know you're going through burnout without the obvious, you know, <laughs> they've mm-hmm. taken my house away. Um, and and then what do you do about it? You can start anywhere and answer any of those 20 questions. <laughs> sure, sure. So what I usually do is to help people identify what burnout is. And I'll bring yep. up the World Health Organization, who we've heard from a bit over the last few years. But prior to the pandemic, they had actually issued an ICD code, which is for diseases on burnout. They didn't classify burnout as a disease, but they did say it was an occupational phenomenon because something they're still studying because it's increasing dramatically. And, you know, their definition is basically when you are physically and mentally overwhelmed with life, you're fatigued, you're stressed out, tired. um, You just, life is just overwhelming to you. And if you ask a room of people, anybody experienced that over the last couple of years, you're going to get pretty much hundred percent participation there because it has been a very demanding, stressful, overwhelming period of time for everybody, Mm. whether it's, how you know how big covid impacted them or how little it was still impactful whether it's supply chain issues or people are leaving work so they're overwhelmed at work now because they don't have half the colleagues that they used to have so all the work of unfortunately congratulations you got a promotion you're going to get to do all these other people's work too it feels great doesn't it and that's you know we're running into that problem right now with a lot of people that are just completely wiped out so some signs that you could be burned out one if you're not sleeping well and it's consistently bad for a long period of time, that is definitely a warning sign to take a look out for because it, especially if you were able to sleep okay before, now all of a sudden you're not for a period of time, that's definitely a warning sign. 
other signs is if you're fatigued, you're lacking motivation. And I'm not talking about it's Monday morning, lack of motivation. I'm talking about just, you're not motivated to do even things in life you enjoy doing, like going to a concert or watching the show or going to a hockey game or sporting event or going shopping or whatever, the things that a lot of people love doing. And for most of us, we weren't allowed to for a period of time. If you don't feel like doing those because you're just too wiped out and tired, that's definitely a warning sign. Other signs I see a lot is people are a lot more irritated. Seeing that a lot right now, especially as we're, I don't mm-hmm. want to say post-pandemic because that is up for debate for people. And I, I, I stay out of that debate. Things are a lot more open than they were a year mm-hmm. and a half ago. We can agree on that. So I'm, I figured a lot more people would be, this is great. I feel better now. I can go out and do things, but I'm finding people are even more and more irritated. And that's because of inflation costs, recession talk, wars, you name it. You know, there's all these external things that are weighing on people and it's making them really irritated. And when you start having all those things going on in your life, you can start making mistakes at work, forget things. You don't see things clearly. So if you're experiencing any of those things, there's a good chance that you're potentially having some prolonged stress and prolonged stress is what turns into burnout. Now, on the flip side of it, you can get off of that treadmill pretty quickly. Now, the deeper work is figuring out why did I burn out in the first place? And that that can get pretty deep uh, because it could be just behavioral or beliefs or just programming that you've had in your entire life on why you do things. It can, it can get pretty pretty deep on that kind of work. But before you get there, it's like, well, let's just get you back to a normal state. So the first one is improve your sleep, get good sleep, figure out how to get good sleep. That means your bedding, your pillow, your sheets, room temperature, you know, sleep masks, or make sure your room's dark, keep your smartphone out of the bedroom and technology, go buy an alarm clock. They still sell them online. Uh, They work great. They always work great. So better yet if you can go to a thrift shop and buy one from like the 1980s it's like with the one light burned out that's that's kind of you know really retro (laughs) but um we've all been there too they're awesome Uh, and they have snooze that works (laughs) yeah the snooze works because they're 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 almost indestructible you know i I think you know not not to make light of things but (laughs) if the end of the world comes at some point i think those alarm clocks will still be around along with whatever critters are crawling around i think the alarm (laughs) clocks will still be blinking 12 o'clock or something yeah but well but you can smack that and a lot of people do you know bam you know it's like and it it stops and then it works again so we get a real alarm clock keep the smartphone up because the the light on these devices trick our brains into saying it's not time to go to sleep yet and yes it is Uh, so it's best to keep those out and kind of limit your screen exposure another thing and this has been a big problem for a lot of people during the pandemic is make sure you get out and do some things. You know, it can be something really simple, but it you just get out. It, for me, I have a dog, so made it easy to go outside, kind of had to. Uh, so even during the pandemic, you could go out, did all the you know, protection, you know, two meters apart or six feet, depending on where you are in the world, mask, all that kind of good stuff. Dog was wondering, why is everybody wearing muzzles? It's like, what did you people do? You know, because the dogs are confused. Why is everybody covering their face? Bad it's like, yeah, bad people, about time. Yeah, yeah. But so they, you know, so you just get out, get some activity and do some things you like doing in life. That's really, really important. Um, 
food is an important thing too. I'm not going to tell you to quit eating fast food or anything like that, but find out what foods are really good for you. I had a food intolerance test done last year and they tested me on over 250 types of foods. And I was shocked at some of the foods that I actually have an intolerance to. So what I did is I removed those or significantly limited those foods from my diet which meant my digestive system, which likes to work at night when we try to sleep, has an easier time because it's breaking down foods that are right for your body. And everybody's different. You know, some people can eat fast food. It goes right through without any problems. They break it down. Great. Other people, acid reflux and all kinds of other things. So figure out what foods are right for you. Uh, eat those foods. Your digestive system, that again, works a lot at night will have an easier time, which means your body isn't using energy to fight off those quote unquote toxins, which is kind of what they are. You know, something, a food to you, which is healthy for you could be bad for me. And I'd have a tough time with it and you wouldn't. So that's why I suggest people, you know, look into that because uh, it, it helped me a lot as far as getting even better sleep. And my sleep was, is usually pretty good because I've done all the things with the the pillow and, and the bedding and the, well, the room temperature. If you, if you have a spouse or a partner and you share the room, it is statistically impossible that you will agree on the temperature of the room. Just, it's not possible. Um, if you have one of those programmable ones on your phone, again, don't keep your phone in your bedroom. You can adjust it accordingly when your partner is asleep. And when you fall asleep, they're going to adjust it back. So it's a cat and mouse game, uh, which is going to been going on probably since the beginning of time and will continue on no matter how technology savvy we get but get good sleep get some activity eat well and and probably one of the most important things is just do things in life you enjoy doing you know and when you're stressed and you're burned out you cut those things out i don't have time i don't feel like it but those are the things that bring you joy and fulfillment in life and it can be something silly or simple like reading a book or watching television or going golfing or hiking or going to Calgary Stampede or going, you know, see a CFL game or a hockey game or, you know, going on cruises, you know, be small and be big. Just continue doing those things and schedule them because if you don't schedule them, they get pushed off. And then all you're doing is working and sleeping and occasionally inhaling food. And that's no quality of life. That was the life that I was living uh, prior to my cardiac event. And I don't ever want to even come close to living that way again. Absolutely. And I can totally appreciate that because I think COVID brought out a special something, something <laughs> people I was dealing with and then nobody had boundaries anymore. It was like, oh, 12 o'clock at night, I remember to do this. So they post it and it's like, hey, can you do that? So then my phone goes, bang, hey, can you do this? I'm like, no, <laughs> I can't. it's 12 o'clock at night. And they're like, I didn't mean now. Uh, and I, I think it's important, though, if you're at the point where you just want to scream, then scream, like right. absolutely freak out, scream. You don't have to do it at anybody. Just go outside and howl at the moon, like do the thing that you got to do, get it out and then start getting to the point where you can articulate like I'm perceiving that you're asking me to do this right now and that's not going to happen right. or you know, whatever, like we, we can't have conversations in burnout that we would have if we weren't burnt out, but the conversations still need to be had. In fact, they need to be had more than ever. And so I think it's important to be able to kind of get rid of the stress in whatever way you can. Go slap two rocks together, you know, until the frustration's gone and then come back in the room and, and try and have the conversations because 
uh, I just can't express how important it is to, to be able to have conversations. Not that you're flipping out on somebody else, but I totally get that. <laughs> Trust me, I totally get the, the want or desire to flip out on somebody else. But to be able to understand that your energy doesn't belong to them, that energy, you know, give it back to Mother Nature, go hammer some nails and walls, do whatever you got to do, and then come back and start talking to people. Yeah, it's important. Somebody told me the other day at a conference I was speaking at, one of the things that they do is, especially with all the Zoom calls and things that we've been dealing with and working from home, so we're constantly looking at these screens and, again, love these devices. They're great. They allow us to work anywhere at any time, but they get a negative side effect. You can work anywhere at any time. And I love how you and I love how you said boundaries on it. It's like you got to have boundaries around when you're available, when you're not. It's it's not like somebody goes, you know what? I need to pick up this thing from Walmart or wherever. So it's like two o'clock in the morning and Walmart closes at eleven, let's say. So you're not pounding on the door, security guard or the cleaning people that are in there, you know, mopping up the floors are looking at you. It's like I just need to pick up that one thing. It's like we're closed. And this 24 7 expectation to be able to have things is something that i i really regret us doing you know i'm old enough to remember that a lot of things weren't open on sundays i know the younger generation are going what it's like yeah i remember those in certain areas smaller towns especially yeah main street was closed there was no nothing open other than maybe maggie's coffee shop because you know there's people at work and maggie likes working and um, she likes making coffee and they're only open three or four hours on Sundays. So it works out and the community is thankful because they can get a cup of coffee. Not that they can't make it at home, but you know, there's something different about going and getting a cup of coffee. It's, it's, it's a special thing. I enjoy it. Other people may not, but ultimately because we've got this expectation of everything's open all the time, people will send an email at 11 o'clock at night or midnight on a weeknight. Can, can you look at this or can you work on this? Or I have an addition to this. So the workaround that I have on that, and most email clients have this. So for managers and employees and anybody in between, there's usually a setting to say send later. Use that, please. And then send it during the normal operating hours that you would be in. Or in my case, and I, I don't remember where I borrowed this from, but I have it in my email signature that said, I'm sending this email at a time that is convenient for me. My anticipation and expectation is that you will respond to this email at a time that is convenient for you. If I need a response by a certain time, I'm going to use that rarely used app on the phone that looks like a phone handle. It's called the phone, and I'm going to call the person and say, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I need this. I know that, that again, Actually, you know, that, that's, that, that's probably one of the least used <laughs> apps on these phones is the, the phone. phone. Yeah, the text messaging, WhatsApp, TikTok, all the other fun stuff. Yeah, th those get used all the time. You can all you gotta do is look at screen time if you got an iPhone, and it'll tell you. Oh yeah, you 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 love you some TikTok. Wow, four and a half hours a day. Whew. Are you learning anything, or is just you know watching people fall on their face, which is entertaining. That is a form of self care for some. Um, little yeah. off there, but you know it's you know in moderation, as I like telling people, moderation. Exactly. Well, and, and it's true, too, with having an international audience now, having clientele in Europe and in Sydney. I mean, they're, they're just doing their thing at their hours, right? So it's, I think it's really important, especially when somebody's in burnout, to understand that all that's happened is that we're giving our power up to external circumstances in which, in a lot of cases, they don't even want that power. 
They, they, they're not asking to have that power over you, but we're giving it to them anyways because we grew up with, hey, when somebody asks you a question, you answer it. And, and it can be as simple as that. And it's like, okay, that worked when I was six. It doesn't work anymore. Thanks, mom and dad. I love you. And I'm not doing that anymore. And, and they're going to be okay with that. Trust me. <laughs> they, you know, they told that to you when you were six, because, you know, the circumstances at that time were such that that was the appropriate response, but it's not appropriate anymore. And we got to give ourselves that permission, which is when you were talking about, it comes down to the deeper work. A lot of people are thinking, well, I'm an adult. I should be able to figure this out. And the problem is mm-hmm. it's not your adult that's causing the problems. It's the six-year-old, the eight-year-old inside that's still dealing yeah. with their circumstances, thinking that their response system is universal and it's not. Exactly. And I just had a thought as you were saying that. It's like, okay, a six-year-old Mike telling my dad, uh, can we circle back on that question you just asked me about if I did something that made you really, really mad? Let's circle back on that. How's next Tuesday at 10 a.m.? I'm going to be in school. I'm thinking to myself. I'd be in the next century, you know, because he would have, you know, he would have uh, spanked me and right, <laughs> right, right, rightfully so, you know, and I'm not going to get in a debate about spanking or not spanking, but I will, I do say this publicly, so it's not a big problem. Probably should have been spanked more than I was, but, you know, <laughs> statue of limitations, it's all good, you know, so sorry, dad, you know, but, you know, it's all good. Oh, Poor dad, but it's true. And yes, I don't think even I don't think I even could have handled that as my child and went, you know, can we just hold off in this conversation till five? (laughs) No, we can't. (laughs) But that's awesome. So, yeah, circumstances are definitely different. It's time to reconsider what's going on. Mm -hmm. So have you noticed in all of this, like um, I'm assuming that once upon a time, you know, um, overwhelm and burnout was was kind of sort of confined to uh, high-priced CEOs and dentists and, you know, like certain pockets of people. Does that still apply? Because I'm assuming that that pocket is like obliterated and it's kind of a universal concern now. Yeah, I think every level from frontline all the way to the CEO is dealing with it. Uh, We've seen some studies and Deloitte uh, released a study earlier this year that seven out of 10 C-suite executives were considering leaving their roles because they were just completely overwhelmed. And I'm thinking, okay, that's seven out of 10 leadership changes that that is detrimental. And especially with, you know, with Deloitte being a, you know, a gigantic global research and uh, consulting firm, you know, they're talking to fortune 500 global organizations. So I'm thinking that that math scares me because even there's you know other leaders that can take over and all of that that transition period when anybody leaves doesn't matter mm-hmm. if it's you know frontline to the CEO and everywhere in between when someone leaves it can take months up to even a couple years for that person to get into the swing and gears of how the organization works the culture you know if they're a leader they're setting the culture so that has everybody up in arms like what's this boss going to be like what are we going to do and it just everybody starts panicking and and freaking out. And I I had a conversation earlier this week with someone that organization that they're working at is growing and looks like it still will grow, even if a a pending recession uh, truly happens or is happening, depending on what type of sector it is. But they took a phone call uh, for somebody that applied for a role that had similar, basically job duties as this person. And they're like, 
am I being replaced? And the management said, no, 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 we're, we're, we're just, um, we're, we're bringing on additional people. We're going to divvy up some of the work. But they, they weren't approached to say, oh, by the way, we're going to be doing this. They found out from an outsider calling in that there's somebody applying for this role that looked and smelled and tasted a whole lot like their role. And they're like, and yeah, and it, that's that we see that all the time. Communication uh-huh. is just horrible. So that person yep. is, is freaking out. I'm losing my job, which is not the case, but. The management could have at least said, hey, as an FYI, we're, we're bringing in some additional help to because we're growing and the workloads are, are too much. Mm-hmm. That, that would have been a 10 second conversation. Do you have any questions? Do you want to talk about it? Your, your role is safe. And I, I remember working at a startup organization a couple decades ago that was in a growth mode. And every time they said, okay, we're bringing in somebody, they're going to be taking some of your roles. You are safe. You're not going anywhere unless you choose to. And we're going to probably try to talk you out of leaving because they didn't want me going. So I was like, okay, that's cool. I'm, I'm fine. Thank you for letting me know. It was a 10 second conversation. Wow. And, unfor- and uh, you can't blame Zoom. You can't blame, oh, we don't see each other. That could be a text message. I mean, oh, by the way, can we talk? It's literally 10 seconds. Your Not, job is safe. Your job is safe. We're, <laughs> Nobody we're, minds we're, getting that on text. Yeah, it's a, so same picture. They're growing, expanding. Mm-hmm. Business is good. That should make employees feel a bit safer going, okay, things are good. I don't have to worry about being laid off because we're growing. But right. instead, th- that person was thinking, I'm getting laid off because they're bringing in somebody to take over a bunch of my work. What am I going to do? Right. That could have been prevented. And Absolutely. now you have an employee that feels disgruntled, angered. Mm-hmm. They might start the quiet quitting, which we've called all kinds of different things. It's malicious compliance, mailing it in. There's been phrases on it. You basically go in. It's like, I work 830 to five. Guess what? Punching in at 830. I am punching out at five. I am taking my breaks. I'm taking my lunch. I'm going to just stick to the code and not venture out at all. And that robs the organization of somebody that can be really productive and move things forward. It also robs that employee because Mm -hmm. they're setting a tone of a work ethic for themselves, which if they go to a new company, they have to switch gears. And that's not as easy as many people think. If you've been used to just kind of, you know, mailing in or that could carry forward. So it's, it's a slippery slope for people to play in, but they're doing it because they're stressed and overwhelmed and burned out. Right. Well, and I think the numbers from Deloitte and Touche kind of scare me, too, in that if seven of them are already at the point where they're thinking of leaving, that means the other three are (laughs) not far back down the road. One of them might be enthusiastic about their job, which is rather frightening. So I, I think that your job right now is paramount in being able to help these leaders, even because I think it's up to the leaders and the entrepreneurs, which I think is part of the hardest part of being an entrepreneur, is to ignore everything that's actually going on in reality and look towards future because anything can change in a heartbeat. And if there's enough people focused on making it change, um, that it's not the it is the intention It's the intention and the the energy that's going into something and the, the activity that's going into something that can you know change that ship's trajectory at any point in time so now we're looking at that one out of ten entrepreneur going hey you need to be a visionary you need to be able to see things that other people can't see and you need to be able to articulate things even if it is a 10 second conversation you know you got to be 
on <laughs> on fire going, everybody, your jobs are safe. We're hiring more people. This is going to be awesome and epic without sounding crazy. <laughs> exactly. Standing on the desk, you know, kind of like uh, um, uh, Wolf, the of, Wolf Wall of Wall Street. Street. Yeah, <laughs> that was the first I was, I was thinking exactly. it was that or, yeah, or. Or I was thinking Tom Cruise in the one movie was like, show me the money and screaming and all that kind of stuff. It's like, whatever works for you. We got to go back to that, man. Start watching those movies over again. Awesome. So when you're working with, let's go with the entrepreneurs and kind of the CEOs, what does that look like for them to go, hey, Michael, I I need you so badly right now, but what do you need from me? What do we got to do? Walk them through just a, basically a self-discovery. And this is one of the reasons why I, became certified in cognitive behavioral therapy and neuro-linguistic programming, which is a tongue twister of a word. That's why we, that's why we see NLP so much. Um, It wasn't, it wasn't for me to say, I'm just going to go be a therapist. That was never really any interest to me. My original career was public accounting. The last thing I wanted to do is therapy, although I certainly needed it and I have used it in the past and I highly recommend therapy to everybody for a lot of things, but that's a side note. But what I do is I say, okay, well, explain, you know, what you're feeling, what's your, what's your sensation right now? What, what's, what's bothering you? And, and then I have them basically map out, okay, what, what would it look like if you weren't in that situation? What would your ideal day look like? What would your workloads look like? What would your life be like? Your, your personal life, your activities. And it's like, get them out. And what that does is they start thinking about that and they naturally start feeling a little bit better, even at that moment when they start dreaming about, oh yeah, you know, I want to be able to you know, be on my boat a little bit more this summer, or I want to go on that cruise, or I want to go, you know, drive along the Pacific coast. Cause I did that when I was a teenager and I, I it was amazing. And I want to take a day and go do that. It's like, okay, all right, let's, let's map those out. And it's like, all right, how, how do we do it? Well, I can't cause I'm, I'm working too much. Okay, well, now then we start looking at, okay, what is working too much? What, what are you actually working on? You know, what is an entrepreneur? We know, especially in the early days, you're everything. You are the CEO to the front lines to everything in between. And the sooner you can start delegating those things better. Yes, I know it costs money. That's the spoiler alert. It costs money to run a business. And I get it. But ultimately, the sooner you figure out what you can do that can move things forward and what you can push off to the side or delegate or defer or whatever, the better you're going to be because there's no shortage of coaches out there and online things. You get bombarded with them emails all the time and they're great things. I'm not saying you shouldn't, you know, work on your branding and your marketing and your, your offerings and all of those things. That's, that's great. But as entrepreneurs, we see it and it's information overload. And we see, okay, we got to do everything mm-hmm. and we can't, you know, pick one or two things, go deep dive in those as deep as you possibly can get those things done. Cause what that does then is you start building an infrastructure of your business and you have a solid foundation. When you have that, it's a lot easier to be agile and, and shift gears a little bit if you figure out, oh, wait a minute, of the five things that I offer as a business, this one seems to be the thing right now that is generating the most revenue. Where should you be spending your time on the things that are generating revenue so you can put it back into your business and build out the other areas if you, if you still feel that those are necessary? You know, when I launched my business, it was the podcast, it was writing and some speaking, and now it's shifted where 
the speaking and keynotes and all of that have taken up a, a considerable amount of time where for the podcast show that I have, I had to basically kind of block off significant amounts of time during the year where I don't record at all because I just, I, I'm going to be in Dallas and Vegas and San Diego in the next, you know, 15 days. I'm not bringing all the equipment because Wi-Fi hotel is garbage. It just, it <laughs> don't, just don't. Try. Just don't. Just don't. If you're watching YouTube, that, that's why, that's why if you go into a hotel and you, you flip through there, you see there's actually a, a YouTube thing where you can sign in and watch YouTube on the television. The reason why is because if you try to do it on your laptop, it's going to be choppy and it's going to be garbage. Don't do it. Uh, so <laughs> Don't bring, don't bring the ring lights. Don't bring the microphone. Don't, don't, just don't. Don't say, stress I, yourself out over things you don't need well, to. Well, so I give it, give us an what? example of a Cinderella story of one of your clients. Okay, I love sharing this story, and I have permission to do so. That's what I, I won't mention names, but I worked with uh, an executive leader, a healthcare role, uh, and this person, she went into a very toxic environment. And they had a lot of turnover in that role over the years. And she was brought in as an interim leader. And there was a lot of hesitation and frustration at the beginning because there was a, uh, well, we'll say a chosen person internally that re they really wanted this person to be the leader because um, that person was, I'll, use, I'll be politically correct here, a brown noser and made everybody feel good. I was going to use some other language, but we'll keep it PG here. So. So everybody wanted that person, even though that person did not have the qualifications to do the job. And then there was actually board members that wanted that person too, because she brown nosed enough to think that she was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And mm -hmm. it's like, nope, they didn't. So they ended up going with, you know, the person we're talking about. And for the first couple months, it was just going up against a brick wall because this other person was making it difficult and talking behind her back and trying to say she didn't know what she's doing she was, she was really trying to make things really nasty i'm quintessential poster child narcissist is this person so after a while you know thankfully she had a good board member that was like no i'm an advocate for you i fought for you to be here you're going to be here and she ended up being for there for several years uh, but she worked with me and said okay what do you got to do here and i said what what what's the ideal where's the picture okay you need to be able to paint that picture in a way that resonates with the majority of the people you're going to be dealing with you're not going to win everybody don't even bother so mm -hmm. don't and it's like just you know get get some quick wins you know figure if there's something you can implement right away that they've been waiting for forever and haven't been able to get do three or four of those things all of a sudden in their eyes they're going to look at you as a change maker for the good and they're going to make their lives easier and give them a voice let them set up some committees because we all love committee meetings uh, don't get me started on meetings but um, <laughs> like the participation award this is, should have been an email you know it's we we all have walls of those somewhere but yes. end of the day with her it was she was able to get the buy-in and the workload started getting stressor or less stressful and all of that but the key thing was, and I didn't know about this, was about nine months later, I, you know, I just checked in, I'm like, how are you? Because I was only working with her for a little bit. And I said, okay, so how things are going? She says, great. And then, then she shared a story. I said her husband and her for years had been trying to start a family. And she wasn't able to. Why? Because she was in some really stressful roles and it was having an impact on her body ability to be able to produce conceive. a child yeah, yep. conceive 
because the stress had been released, she felt confident, she felt safe. And that's a big thing. People need to feel safe in their workplace, especially with mm-hmm. the world going sideways. If they feel safe, they're going to produce. So nice. she felt relaxed and safe enough where she was expecting and, and had you know, a beautiful baby boy who's not a baby now. Um, and you know, she sent me pictures of the baby and all that kind of stuff. So when I'm talking about this story and things like that, one of the things I used to say, and I'll still say it from time to time, uh, depending on the audience, is if you work with me, you could get pregnant. <laughs> and that, and then I go, wait, that didn't, wait, that, wait, wait, no, that, that, that didn't know. Uh, let me rephrase that. Your interpretation of what I said is different than what I meant. You know, I say it tongue in cheek and, you know, I say, you know, no, 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 that, no, 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 uh-uh, no, not Harvey Weinstein here. No. Uh-uh. So, you know, but it was a real quick story when I was having my heart attack, um, I was at the medical clinic where I worked at and they did the, uh, basically they hooked me up to an EKG machine at work. So I go in the procedure room and my doctor, nurse, and a couple other people, all employees, of course, are in there and they start cracking sexual harassment jokes because their boss is taking his clothes off at work in front of them all. And I, I'll never forget that I was red as a tomato. I'm like, really? Come on. And they just would not let up, not knowing that I was in the midst of a cardiac event. Uh, but, you know, they, they had fun with it. But then they realized, Ooh, wait, maybe we shouldn't have done that. Did, did the jokes uh. give you a heart attack? No, 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 no. It was uh, bad living did it, but it was, it was still comical. But... Bad living. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like just having making light of a scary situation. That's how I looked at it, but it was still kind of entertaining. But so that that's one of those stories. And you know, I've got others where organizations have turned around. I get notes all the time. Yeah, we we did this as a team, and boy, that's really improved things. And uh, morale's good, and our you know our turnover is reduced. And I'm like, good. That's that, that. I love that. Why? Because you and I as consumers. When organizations are healthy and employees feel safe, they are productive. If they're productive and they feel well, they are creating better products and services that you and I consume. So as a society, we should want burnout to be eradicated as best as possible in the workplace because it's robbing us of quality goods and services. And with everything that's been going on for the last couple of years, I am concerned about what Mm -hmm products are going to look like and services and everything else. I think it, it could be really problematic unless we get ahead of it. So that's the work that I do and, and why I'm doing it. Nice. So it's time to get ahead of it. So for those leaders who are listening, I know that they're going to want more from you. How did they start their journey with you? Best way is go to breakfastleadership.com. There's a contact info page thing down at the bottom, or you can send me a direct email at Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L at breakfastleadership.com. And more than happy to have a conversation with you and just to find out what's going on. And, you know, many times I'll have a a chat, 30 minute chat and give some people a couple things to do and off they go. And um, then they they're fine. and, And they're able to make a couple adjustments. Like I said before, a couple tweaks here and there can make a huge, huge difference in how you feel and everything that goes on in your life, uh, you shouldn't most cases have to do a, a deep reinvention. If you do, then we can, we can go down that road. But for the most, it's a couple adjustments here and there make such a big difference. Nice. Now, I, I'm assuming it didn't take you a heart attack to discover that you're a special kind of crazy enough to become an entrepreneur. But 
<laughs> yeah. At what point did you know that you were that special kind of crazy? Uh, the special kind of crazy came to me, you know, it was, you know, right after I launched the business, because I, you know, I was still in another business or still working a little bit. And when I realized how big this issue was, and I thought, okay, I can do something about this, which means I'm going to have to walk away from a quote unquote safe thing and go out and be crazy and be bold. And, and, you know, tr- basically you could trade the nine to five for a nine to midnight. I'm like, wait a minute, I did that before. <laughs> and what did that do? So for me, it, you know, it was, you had to, eat, you know, in software companies, a lot of times people will use their own software that they sell to their clients. Mm-hmm. They call it eating your own dog food is mm-hmm. one phrase that IT people will use. And I had to make sure that I was eating my own dog food going, okay, I'm telling people to not do all this. That means me too. Cause it might, my agent tells me it's not good for the burnout guy to burn out. So no. <laughs> I, I, so P, PR ain't going to be able to work on that one with you. So, so you're going to have to. They're spinning and they're spinning. Yeah, it's like, spin I mean, I mean, we're going to, we're going to have to, you know, hire like, you know, political advisors to come up with something to cover this one up because <laughs> this ain't, this is not going to work for our PR team. It's above our pay grade. So you're going to have to go, you know, contact somebody in DC that puts a positive spin on something that, you know, the entire world can see. I'm so an entrepreneur like, and I am totally up for a 10 hour work week. Just saying week oh, yeah. 10 hour yeah, work week not day on. week exactly <laughs> i i keep keep looking through tim ferris's book okay where is it where is it where, where's the secret sauce and you know i read it again again not not the tool of titans i mean that that book's like this big so that that, that that's a lifetime adventure type of book it's like tim break it up into like little chapter books and sell them for like five bucks each man you'll, you'll make more money than you already have and easier doses for people but you know no Michael, you've been absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. I know how valuable it is. Any last words for our peeps? Just focus on getting sleep and doing things in life you enjoy doing. Even if you're working a lot of hours and a lot of work, yeah, the work's always going to be there. And in in a weird sort of way, it's that's actually good that the work is never done. That means you've got something to do. If you didn't have any work, you you would be on unemployment. You don't want that. So focus on getting rest, doing some things in life you enjoy doing. So that way you have the energy to do great work. And that's something that we all strive to do. We want to be great at what we do. So figure out how it works for you to be great and and do it. Love it. Speaking of things we love to do, I am quite certain that we're going to have Michael on the little blue pill. So check out our episodes of the little blue pill for those days that you're not driving the kids to uh, their soccer games and you can actually listen to some other podcasts that are fun and entertaining. Awesome. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedlock. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and join our Facebook group, Business Ownership Secrets to Scaling. We love connecting with you and helping you grow. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, I like five stars personally, and share with your friends.